another video? Okay, I started it. I started it. Okay, you started Okay. No, we can see okay. We got to. Okay, so enough of the uh, technical stuff. Thank you very much. You leave it over there next time. It's easier. No, it's not going to work over there. Leave it next day. Leave it, leave it next day. It's not, not going to go. I'm going to bang it first. It's going to be gone. Okay, without further ado, it's a hard works overtime. Uh, yes, we have enough extra hour today. Okay, let's begin. First of all, Elliot had an interesting question at the end of the last year. And that is, why is there a struggle with the request from Achsa to her father for a different field, for more support, and the yeshiva, and the money being allotted? Didn't they have gazillions of dollars? And they all had a lot of money. What was the problem? So I answered at the time, which I believe is the answer, two-pronged answer. I just want to elaborate on it. Number one, I don't know if it was a question of money. It was a question of... Nobody has unlimited gazillions, and Startup Nation, they're still building a lot and conquering, and it's very expensive. And his point to her, according to the Pshat Megamara, is that don't worry about it, it's not going to be necessary. He's such a godol and a tzaddik that you're going to have Siatashmai and it won't be missing. And the other Pshat, with the Pshat Pasuk, is he gave it to her. So either way, either there's no shortage or it wouldn't be necessary. It is only a few decades after they came in. That was your kasha. And the din is, why'd they get the business mitzrayim? Why was there a need for achrei ken So besides the payment for all the hard years of labor, uh, the fact is that the startup nation is expensive. They, they're starting off at mamish with nothing. And they're now going into Yisrael. And yes, they found the houses standing and bought the Malayan Kultuv and a lot of natural resources and things were working. But a generation later, really just 25, 30 years later, uh, you're going to have most of that depleted because the supplies are gone, the houses and the infrastructure is already 30 years older, and they have to fight wars every single day, which is expensive. You're saying, well, they didn't have that many rounds of mortar to pay for in planes and gasoline, and you know, maybe it's not as expensive in dollars and cents as it is today. It's expensive for a different reason. People have to work, and if you're fighting when you should be working, that could be troubling for the economy. So uh, I believe the business of Mitzrayim was certainly there for many reasons, uh, but the Pushup shop, besides the payment, is the fact that they needed just a seed money. If you've ever been involved in a startup, seed up money runs <laughs> your seed up seed money runs out uh, a lot quicker than you think, like exponentially. And they didn't really want to go to the Umasalam for round two funding, and round three funding. So they're sort of trying to figure it out. It gets done, but. Yeah, the answer is a good question, but I believe the answer is even only 30 years later, uh, that's going to be an issue, and it happens to be that it wasn't an issue with Kalev. Kalev himself should have been on paper personally wealthy, because he himself was given areas, and for all we know, he was. I believe Kalev as the Nasi, as one of the leaders, probably gave away more than a Chaimish, Probably gave away everything he had because we know of many stories of leaders who just use everything they had to be able to fund what was going on. You'll say, there's a Takana Susha, a Gzeira, a Yavazes, Yesim Echemesh. So, first of all, the Gzeira was a lot later. The Al says that Gzeira was made after Churban Abayas 
when things were so bad that people couldn't afford and they were still in generosity mode giving away money they didn't have. So they had to make a takana to the testimony of the generosity client. So they had to make a takana, don't give more than a fifth. Because people were giving too much. They were used to in the good old days. They didn't put a cap of a fifth. We spoke about this a length in the Stucker share. There was no cap because you gave what you could. If you needed $1.89 to live for the day and you had much more, you gave everything away because what you needed for, you'll have tomorrow. Somebody who has five steaks in the freezer is Makatane Amana. These are madregas that we have to strive for. We're not holding anywhere near here. But there was no Takana. And number two, the Pashas is for a leader, for somebody, Chavaz Chaim says, and it's six at term, but somebody has an exact cheshman of what they need, and they're always very Ezekiel cheshman, and they have a lot more, they can give away more than a fifth, and they're not in violation of the Gzeira, even after the Gzeira of Usha. So there are many Hatarim, Kalev, no doubt, even if he got a lot of money in the booty in the battles he fought, it wouldn't surprise me that he's still being very Ezekiel cheshman because everything is for Kedusha and everything is for Zakas Torah and he gave only what was necessary to each place because you needed to spread it around so there are many a term for the uh, for the one-fifth and Chavaz uh, Chaim besides the fact that the person has an exact budget he's allowed to give the rest because he knows his budget it doesn't change he says if he wastes money on frivolous things anyway he can certainly spend it on Staka you can't say there's a Gzeirah not to give more than 50 a stuck, and then you can blow the money uh, going wherever you want and put it to other things. So that's uh, for the color of angle. We have many, many different heterim over here, but as the Pusik says, either he gave it or there wasn't a problem because he assured her there wouldn't be a problem. Yes? But uh, an Evan um, doesn't get right for salary or, or compensation other than the, while he's working there. Why, why, why is the Rav saying that the, the part of the payment was the work that they did? Chazal point that out in a later uh, court case under the presiding judge was His Excellency Alexander the Great. And uh, the Egyptians brought a lawsuit uh, that we owed them a lot of money from Bezos Mitzrayim. And they sent one of the Chachamim from the Eden, and he said, uh, I'll go take care of this. We had Jewish lawyers then also. And uh, he went and he said, why don't we sit down and do a cheshman? Uh, three million people for a couple hundred years, and let's tally it up. If we owe you money, we'll pay you. If you owe us money, then you owe us money. And in the middle of the calculations, they already ran for the hills <laughs> because they owed us a lot more money. So it, it is chazal. You're asking why. The answer is uh, they had no right to enslave us to that degree. Uh, there's a big machalik zishenim. Was power responsible for what he did? Some Rishonim say that there was a pending Zerah from the Brisbane of Azarim. They will be somewhere. And Habesh Luchalamakam and the Mitzrayim volunteered to be the Rishonim. So that's their fault. Even if you hold that it was destined to be Mitzrayim, it says Bears Lolahem, they'll be uncomfortable as second class citizens. It doesn't say a thing about slavery and torture and all the other things that went on. So they were owed a lot of uh, Pitsuim, as they say. But that wasn't part of the Zerah. And. Uh, Gaisha culture has no right to enslave uh, the Yidden. Their rules and regulations, and they didn't capture them in war, and actually invited them in as honored guests, and then they enslaved them. So there was no head there for what. There was a penalty, or it was actually payment? Payment. Payment. Uh, payment. I, we didn't get to the, I don't even know if this court case by Alexander, they even tallied up the pizuyim of uh, Tsar, Nezek, Ripo, Yishevis, and Boishas, and just, just a payment. And there was a lot more that was really due. So they probably still owe us money, and um, some clown from the establishment in Egypt not that many years ago, 
recent times, I think, filed the same lawsuit in the International Tribunal. And I hope somebody just sent him a copy of the Gemara. He should give up while he's ahead because he's not going to come out ahead. But who knows what goes on there. The uh, international courts at The Hague are not exactly uh, pro-Jewish. Okay, so that was uh, from last time. Now, we have two copies in front of us. This is very important. I promise that, speaking of money and real estate, we're going to get to the uh, issue of Yushalayim. Who owns Yushalayim? Who owns Harabayas? Who did own it? When I say who owns Harabayas, it doesn't mean who owns Harabayas, Jews or Arabs. That's a ridiculous question. It's who owns the property, who has monetary rights. This is actually a very important try to discuss a few times in Shas. And Nagea um, today, when I say today, hopefully lots of love of a curve, that uh, somebody bought a dira in the old city. That's a little pricey, but it's been done. Or they bought a dira, they thought it was not the old city, but the old city is not where the old city is today. That we know for sure. It's definitely the walls are the more recent addition. It's somewhat over, maybe extending closer to Mary Sharm Gula. Wherever it is, who owns it? Who does it belong to? So, where would this question be discussed? So, first Makar over here, take your Gemara and Yuma on Yud Beis and Aleph. And the Gemara discusses this in the context of Tumas Nagayim. Tumas Nagayim is a metaphysical Einish or wake up call. And the dinim of Nagayim on a person, Leilainu, on a beged, here we're talking about on the house. And you're all familiar with the Pesukim Mechumish, where you have to have. The Kayan come, and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar has to be quarantined, and then he has to see if it's spreading. And there are a dinam of where, since it's not an actual plague, it's a metaphysical plague, so there are rules and regulations, the halachas, on where it applies. So the question is, the Pasuk mentions Achuzaschem, it starts from two lines on the top, on Yud Beis and Aleph. If you look at the Pasuk on the right-hand side, it's in Vayikra, Read the Pasuk, Yisavol El Eretz Kanana Sherinayisin Lachem Lachuza Sati Negatzaras Bebeis Eretz Achuzaschem. Speaking of money, a startup nation, one of the hidden brachas over here is that if they have to tear down the house, which is not really good news, they'll find treasures, which is good news. If they were in a higher madrega, to find it a different way, like when doing general reconstruction and redoing of the walls. But either way, they'll they'll find it. So the Gemara here is Daishing Achuzaschem. So what's the drasha? Look back at the Gemara. Achuzaschem, Achuzaschem, Metame Benegaim. Ve'en Yerushalayim Metame Benegaim. So all of a sudden the Gemara says Yerushalayim is not Achuzaschem. Now it belongs to Klai Yisrael. The question is, does it belong to anybody specifically? Amar Rabbi Yehuda. We'll explain the Tanakhama in a moment. Let's just see Rabbi Yehuda. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Ani... Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is three lines from the top. Nobody has achuzah. What does that mean? You can have collective ownership of Klai Yisrael. Question is, does any particular shevet have it? The two shvatim in the running for this area of the country, as we know, are Yehuda Benyamin. We know that because the reason we're discussing this, the last passage we read, it talks about Benyamin trying to take over Yishalayim. It talks about Yehuda trying to take over Yishalayim. And they, they took it, Yeshua, and it was pushed back, and now they're trying to take it again, different sections. However you learn it, but there are only two shvatim who are vying 
for the area, they're not vying for the same area. It was actually split up, as was the Harabayas. So that's why Rashi includes both. And Rashi says, This Mandamar holds, It's what we'll call an inter tribal city. So that's the sheet of the Tanakhama. Rabbi Yudha says, next Rashi, He said, No, it's not a din that the area wasn't the Shvatim. Yishalayim is the Shalik, and part is Yehuda, and part is Benyamin. And whatever is excluded in this Gzeis Kasav from the din of Nagayim is Makam Mikdash, Makam Makudash. Now, take a look at Rashi. Shakana David. So right now, we're talking about the Harabais itself. Shakana David as Garin Meravna Hevusi. If you remember that, there was a guy who still owned that area, the holiest place on earth. And he bought it from him. We'll see later. He actually got money together from all the Shvatim to buy it because he wanted everybody to have a chilek in this Malkum. And Avna wanted, wanted to give it for free. He was a nice guy. He was actually friendly. And he didn't want to take it for free. He wanted to pay for it. As Avon wanted to pay for Marasana Pilot. David wanted to pay for the Harabayas. Didn't want anybody to claim that it's really theirs and it doesn't belong to us. What's ironic is the three places in Eitz Israel that we went out of our way to pay for, so nobody should have any claims whatsoever, even though they don't claim the rest of Eitz Israel either, but here it should really be clear, are the three most disputed spots in Eitz Israel, Shechem, Hebron, and Yushalayim and Harbais. So we tried. Uh, if that's not going to be cleared up, it's just ironic that Rashi's always pointing that out. Those are the three spots. There's not going to be any Shiloh over here. Paid a lot of money, overpaid, but we're happy to pay us. There shouldn't be any Shiloh. Well, Gold's conditions mean that there are Shilohs even when they're not supposed to be Shilohs. But David Mel did pay for it. So, the way he went about it, as Rashi continues, Gava Kesmikal Shevet, as we will discuss later, he made sure everybody had a piece of the action for Harabais. So, what's excluded? You want to talk about a makam that's not owned by anybody in particular, it's an intertribal makam, that's the makam Mikdish. Now, let's go back to the Gemara. Be'udamer, ani l'shamati el makam Mikdish bavad, ha-bata kinesi ha-bata medjajaz metamin binagayim. So the dig over here is that a shul, interesting, Shiloh, so this is also communal property, you have a base medrash, you have a shul. It is Matayim ben Agam, if you read the word, Mokom Mikdash, because Tanakhama says it's only Shail about Yushalayim and, and Arabias, and not Nagea to a discussion of a shul or base medrash, and Yudas says only Nagea to Arabias. Right now we're reading it in Mokom Mikdash. But Batakanes, yes, about the medrash is Matayim ben Agam. Avagav de Krachim Ninu. Even though there's sort of a public area, this in the context. This is quoted in the Gemara Megillah as well, what you could sell, what you're allowed to sell, uh, what's considered public property, how much Kedush it has. And the Gemara goes on to say, no, not Malcolm Mikdish, much more uh, far-reaching and it's a wider application, any Malcolm Mikdish, meaning including a Shul or a Beis Medrish. And therefore, it's also communal property. And it's only, it's not a din of Yushalayim, it's a din of many Malkam Makudush, that's communal property, including Harabayas uh, and including Shul and Abyss Medrash, because everybody paid for them. When it says Makam Mikdush, does that 
that means higher by his dafka. Yes. The first way it was read, the way the was reading it now, he meant not Mikdush as in Makam Mikdush, it meant any Makam Mikdush. It would include Makam Mikdush, but it means a communal area. And then the Shaila we're left with is, well, what are they arguing about in Yushalayim? The answer is, was Yushalayim communal property or was it Nishalik Lishvatim? Okay, that's step number one. Now, skip down to the next bracket, about eight, nine lines later. Hi, Tana, Savi Yushalayim, Lanasak Lishvatim. The following Tana, the Gemara will prove, holds the Yushalayim was not Nesach Lishvatim. Desanya. Aim Maskir and Batim. Now here's where it gets to be a real financial question. We have Ali Laregal three times a year. Picture millions of Yidin descending on Yushalayim. Everybody needs a place to stay. Okay, so one of the Nisim that happened was that nobody complained. It was too crowded. And keep in mind, they couldn't even eat the carbon Pesach on any second floor or on the roof. Roof is a great place to have a barbecue and have a nice gathering and have a nice say there. You couldn't eat kachim upstairs. You can go upstairs afterwards to sing Hallel and talk about it. It's the all night, which is exactly what they did. But the Gagas Valias were not Neskadesh in Shalim. Why not? There's a good question we should discuss sometime because I'm just trying to design in my head lots of love. Them. They're already building the high speed rail and they want to have the cable cars coming. Well, this is all going to be very necessary unless uh, everything's al Derech and we just uh, fly there. But Madafka, the Ram says Derech Hateva. Uh, in terms of okay. oh, oh, you find uh, yeah, but these are real grills. This, you gotta. I mean barbecue. I, that was not a bar of lotion. You can't you can't cook it in a safe oven. And microwaves are not going to work. Has to be sliage. So yes, we'll put you in charge of that. Uh, but uh, we're going to need you for some design anyway. So you're going to be busy. But it's picture millions of people, and you can't even go. Gagas valdias lenis gachu. You, the second floors don't have kedushas. You got to eat the carbon downstairs. But my Pesach, where it's got to be very Shal Shagalim, and imagine the most crowded because everybody has to bring carbon Pesach. And there are Ramazim and Rishayim. One of the reasons you ever wonder we split up Halal nowadays. We have Halal, half Halal. So some Rishayim say it's, it's a rem as to what was a carryover, what was going on then. They started to say they ate the carbon Pesach, and then after they ate, there were people were banging on the door to get in. They said, can you, can you finish up and go upstairs and sing Halal all you want and finish the Seder there and Chad Gadya and the whole Chad Go up, but I need, the, I need the space. And that happened. So it's a lot going on. And on top of everything else, you check into your nearest Dira on Picture of the Old City today. So um, you got a lot of, they know how to use space there. And we hope it's going to be a lot bigger. And the Hedra can be Makadashit. And then Midrashim, the Yishlaim, will be the size of Eretz Yisrael. It's all going to work. But then the Old City was not the size of Eretz Yisrael. And people came. Now talk about Protexia. So this is Kali Yisrael. So everybody's got Protexia. So uh, that's good. Well, who's the Patexia? Well, my Shrugger's Shrugger's aunt uh, has a dealer there, and uh, she's from Shevet Yehuda, and I'm from Shevet Dan, and we're moving in. Can you charge? It's a big question. A lot of people want this dealer. Can you charge money? I'm not talking about being greedy. Just regular Plaza Hotel rates, not the Waldo. Can you charge? So that's a pretty important Shiloh. Well, in order to charge, you've got to figure out who owns this. So you're probably wondering, well, why is it about Clarence Shiloh? Who owns it? Why don't you look inside the living room or the kitchen and see who the lady of the house is or check the deed? Well, who's been living there between Sukkot and Pesach? Why is it Mar- the Gemara never addresses what I just asked. The Chazanish will address it. But the Gemara just wants to know, in general, was Yishlaim Neschalik Lishvatim or not? And the Nafkamina right now will be, can they charge rent? 
you got three big weeks a year. You got Shruis, which usually ended up being a week, because you have Tashlumif, the Kabanas, and you have Pesach, Pesach program in Yushalayim. That's the only program they're going to have, Pesach programs in Yushalayim. And the circus program. So the proud owner of these things, Lacharik, can make a year's worth of salary on this. They charge the going rate. What's the going rate when you have 5 million people who need 400 years? Probably expensive. You don't want to make it too expensive, and you've got to be very sharing, and you're not going to have your own room with a suite and uh, private quarters. But can they charge? That's the shayla. So now, with that background, look at the Gemara. You can't charge rent. You don't own it. What if I'm from Shevi Yehuda? You still don't own it. How about Benjamin? You still don't. Nobody owns it. Well, let me fix it up. Everybody owns it. Now, we don't believe in socialism or communism. Uh, so everybody owns it means that everybody has an Achlanet Yisrael. Yushalayim was left as an intershevet city because we have a Lila Regal and even in between people come to Yishlaim all the time. Somebody's got to administer it but nobody owns it. So therefore you can't charge rent on something you don't own. That's the first sheet there. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Tzadik if you look at the side gear so which is, might be cut off you have the uh, small olive over here. Should be mm-hmm. where, where's the, where's the um, Rab Shimon he has here in the very bottom left. Let's have Shimon Imer Af Loy Mitus. Not only can't you charge rent, you can't even charge per bed. What does that mean? What's the chiddush of that? The answer is okay. The dira is attached to the ground, so the shvatim don't own it because everybody owns it. So even if it's rude, that doesn't help. But somebody's living in this apartment. That's the first hint. Somebody's living here all year round, and somebody bought this bed. And somebody paid for the negavasa next to the bed. And somebody paid for the dresser. And so, so, can you charge for that? So, the first shita holds you can't. Aflamitis. Can't officially charge for that. This is Xerid Rabbanim. We're afraid you're going to charge for the mita. How much is it to rent the bed? They're going to say $5,000. Because the Gemara says, I can't charge for the apartment. So, I'm going to do half law. That's the next step. They made Xerid Came and officially charged for the mita. Got trying to explain this. So, okay, but somebody did buy the mita. Somebody is cleaning the house for Pesach. Somebody's in charge. Somebody's living here. We have yet to figure out who, but somebody's living here. So they've got to get paid something. Otherwise, no motivation. You're going to show up, and the house is going to be a flying mess. So you don't want that either. You need some motivation. What happened was people were a lot of carbonus and they always had the earth, this is expensive stuff, they had the hides of the carbonus, worth money. So that often the Balabayas who was running the house, administering the house, living there, uh, I don't want to use the word ownership, you have to figure that out. He would often, if he was not offered some side nice gift like the heiress of the Kachim, he would take it. And Chalzal were okay with that. Normally grabbing things is not nice. And we don't suggest it. But over here is okay because we want them to get paid something to have the incentive to keep the dira, let the people in, make the beds, buy the beds, make the beds, and set up the negavasa. <laughs> so that is very important. And Chazal, even though it says Bezroya, from the Achranim, it's clear that we actually want them to leave a gift. And it's clear from the next line of the Gemara, the Gemara learns out etiquette from here. Amrabai. Shmamina Arach Ara Lemishbek Inish Gulfa Umashcha 
This is the Makar, the time-honored meaning. You bring a gift when you visit somebody, when you stay by somebody. The Gemara says, you see from here, the proper thing to do, even though they invited you and they're not officially charging, is if you don't bring a gift, people really didn't have that much money and didn't have gift shops. So if you don't bring it, leave something that is of value. So the two suggestions, but not limited to this, is leave the pottery. So you brought along some drinks or some wine. You have now empty pottery. It's not that expensive. Leave it there for them. Leave some kalim for them. Or the mashkar, if you have an animal, if you made a barbecue and you have the hide, you brought a carbon and you have the hide, leave it for them. Because it does cost money. That's a nice thing to do. So that's the Gemara says. You learn from here the proper etiquette. It's clear, as the Gemara started off, is that nobody really owns this according to the Shita. That's why you can't charge rent. And yes, there's a bed, and you bought that bed, and you're letting them use it, which is nice to you. We're afraid to let you charge for that, but then you're going to start charging <coughs> the rental, the whole thing. But we do encourage you could take the iris, and we encourage the people going there to offer them and to offer some, some gift. Okay. Akan is the Gemara. So what we're left with is to try to figure out, well, so who did own this? Quentin Damar, Yushalayim, was Nizchalik Lishvotim. Sounds like they could charge rent. Sounds like top rent. I guess you don't want to make it, you're going to have to have some rent control, or else it's going to get out of hand, and then only the wealthy people can be able to afford to come to Yushalayim, Ali Larego. We don't want that. So the Gemara doesn't talk about that, but I'm sure that would be discussed. If it's Lenishak Lishvatim, Gemara makes it sound like nobody owns this. Well, somebody clearly is living there putting out the bed. So who's living there? It's a basic question. Who? You have a right. Is it wise to buy something in the old city or outside the old city? You'll say, well, it's not wise to buy anything in the district of Yehuda. Hainov is probably not part of the old city. Far enough. But it's probably in the district of Yehuda still. Let's say you know for sure you're from Usher which none of us do. Or, better yet, you know for sure you're a kain or a levi, so you don't have any nachala in any of these places because you don't have any nachala, period. And it's not, an, not from the year of Levium. It's not a Levium, and uh, you know this is not it, not one of them. So should you be buying a house? I wouldn't worry about that because I assume when the Mashiach comes, there'll be a lot of uh, financial transactions and buyouts, and whatever you have, they'll pay you fair market value, but somebody's going to live there. So I don't think that's necessarily the problem. <laughs> I think this is an issue to figure out what was going on over the Golem and what will be going on in <coughs> Do we paskin this Chalka? What does the Manda Amar Lenis Chalka mean? It's clear somebody was living there. So that we have to figure out with the Chaznish, but I want to save some time for the Peliates. So, Mitzvah Shem, we will get to that in the next year. If you could take out your Peliates. Could they buy land? There's no land really to buy in Eitz Yisrael because everything was Nizchalik. There's no, it's not like America or in the olden times, the truth is written about Hefker and what's Hefker, what's not Hefker and buying land and not buying land. There's no, in America, in modern times, there's no land that's not owned by somebody, either the government or somebody. In the old times there was, but not in Eitz Yisrael. In Eitz Yisrael, there are borders between the Shvatim. So how are you going to buy something? Either you are from the Sheva, in which case, let me know what family you're from. I'll tell you which uh, backyard you have. And if not, um, we don't want to sell it. And if we do want to sell it, we can't sell it anyway. It's really only a sale for 49 years. You can't really sell anything. It goes back to the Steachuza at Yevo. So the short answer is you can't really sell it even if you do want to sell it. It's really a long-term lease. Yes? When is the next year? What was that? When is the next year? When is? The next year. Oh, when is the next year? Um, well, 
probably not next Sunday, but don't have Yish yet, uh, because nowadays you never really know where you're going to be. So, <laughs> so check the email that you will be sending out, and um, yeah, just check your email for next uh, Sunday and, uh, and Monday. And uh, Monday there will be a share, hopefully, either way, but check for next Sunday. So, uh, thank you for reminding me. But we, Mitzvah Shem, will have an next share, and remind me what this has niche, because this has to be explained. What does the Gemara mean, Halacha Let's go to the Pelier. It's, it's a box somewhere if you don't have one. We'll go a little overtime due to our technical difficulties, and I arranged that Zvan Tfilah should be a lot later today, uh, so there's nothing to worry about. Uh, we're on page Kuf Nun Vov. We are talking about his iris. And his iris, as we've been discussing, comes in many forms and fashion, and you have to get this iris and whatever works for you, and hopefully you could have it spill over to help other people as well. And his iris means that you have to get yourself in the frame of mind, even when you're having a rough day, and even when you're not in the mood, to be excited about doing mitzvahs bezrizis, and doing it l'shma, doing it besimcha to the extent that you can. And on page Kufnun Vav, Four paragraphs down, starts the word ulam. Ulam. Isaiah's myolamishu chai ach yashenhu. Isaiah's works for somebody who's basically alive under normal circumstances. It's just right now he's a little bit drowsy, a little asleep, both uh, spiritually and sometimes physically. He's just tired and he needs a lift. So that works if you know how to be Mizair or get Isairis from other places. That's a borrowed expression from the captain of the ship that was being driven by the Goyim and Yaina was on board and he went out to sleep when he saw the ship was being tossed to and fro because he realized it was him and he didn't really plan on doing anything about it because he was running in the first place to save Klai and he was willing to die for the mission. And the captain comes down below and he's the only guy not davening, he's sleeping. Shows you how okay he was and how at peace he was with himself. It's a real gobble. Most people wouldn't be able to fall asleep, he was sleeping. He came to him and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? We're about to go under and get up, daven, call out to your God. The only God, he got the right person. Uh, and he was sleeping. But the answer is, he was doing it with Shema, and he, Hashem didn't agree with the decision, and that's why he got him up, got him thrown overboard, and sent him to Ninveh anyway. But he meant completely the Shema, and that's why he was at peace with himself. So it wasn't lack of Osiris, he wasn't uh, depressed that he didn't want to get out of bed because all was lost. This was by design. The captain couldn't understand what was going on. Ben Adam, so the expression is borrowed over here that we should try to wake ourselves and our friends, family members up, that you understand the importance of Ruchnius, this is no time to be lackadaisical about it. A person like that, who inherently has the Yerushalayim, has the understanding of what they're supposed to be doing, and it's temporarily, everybody has ups and downs, so you got to get the Osiris, you got to help other people with the Osiris. Azikats Mishinasa v'yasa Aval, the problem is, the Pelia, it says, Mishu meis loyola hiseris. A dead person can't wake up with regular hiseris because he's not alive, unfortunately. Shaim besar hames magish bismil. You could take a corpse and stick pins in. It's not going to make a difference. 
very graphic in his mushal, and you'll see what he's getting at. A person inherently understands what his chiv here is on earth, and understands what Om Habe is, and understands what Yerushalayim is, but right now he's having a downtime. And he's a Cyrus. Shatakfa Yitzro is having a fight which he's losing right now with Yitzhahara, and he's a Cyrus. The temporarily got him, you need to bring him back. And he thinks that it's mutter and he's so entrenched, he needs a lot of Osiris. Okay, but it's still doable. You can bring him back. It's easier to bring him back. When you finally wake him up, he'll do tshuva and he'll stop doing what he's doing, hopefully, and get back on track. However, that's if he's alive and unfortunately Leilander just spiritually sick or out of it or exhausted. Like next paragraph, like Cain and Rishayim should call Kach Tavu Bivain Haveris, Achaeng Yiris Hashem, Neget Panam Klal. Unfortunately, they're so dead to the issue, they don't know what you're talking about. So you can talk about Osiris and Musser and explain to him why it's Osir. Uh, either they never heard of it, or they're so entrenched that there's absolutely nobody home. We never give up on anybody. And you could be always working the pint of the year and try to get things going, and you'd be amazed at the results when you think um, it's impossible. The odds are always against, but you got to try. He's pointing out that you have to use different tactics for different people, depending on how asleep and how dead they are to the issue. They're very far. They're surrounded by their Tuma, which they created. This is before you had a lot of Klai Yisrael, not with the program, as they were Tinaka Shanishba. Machmas, Ergelam, Nasalam, Keheter, and they're so mushrush pachet, it's mamish Keheter. Darkem Yashem, and Nam, Anashem, Kelo, Amar, Azal, Risham, Bachayem, Kuriyam, Mesim. That's the Taishim of Chazal, Risham, Bachayem, they're alive, Kuriyam, Mesim. That's not just a metaphor. They're Mesim in the way that you can't, you're taking needles and pricking them, but it's not working as it doesn't work on a, on a mace. And that makes it very difficult. Oz, even if he starts hearing the Dvar Hashem, goes from one ear to the other. Apparently, it's a very old expression. Now, yes, it says Kemat. We don't give up on anybody, and Hisarius could be brought on by many different things and Hashem sends us reminders from time to time that you have to be on your best behavior. And it looks like the gates are closed because in order to come back you have to be at least inquisitive to look into, you have to want to look into what it is you're coming back to. And that's very difficult when a person is starting from nothing. He's not advocating giving up. He's just saying you have to realize who you're talking to and size up how you're going to go about doing this. You can't give the regular Musa for a person who was never there in the first place. They think they're doing the right thing and they don't know what you're talking about. 
And often he's not only dead to the issue and part of the issue, he becomes anti. Because deep down, the Pintula and the Shama knows there's something wrong. He can't put his finger on it. So the people who represent the Frumkite and the things that are doing the right things is automatically his doctors. And they explained yesterday the real antisemitism comes from the fact that they had the opportunity, they said no, and the Amenifcher became the Amenifcher, and deep down there's a jealousy and there's this feeling of emptiness, and often that becomes a sinner. You can't join them. If you feel you can't join them, which is not true, then they feel like they want to beat them. That's a different form of the expression. And you have to know when you're dealing with people, often that raises his ugly head, and you have to be able to blunt that. Never give up. Fail the perm. Everybody stay safe.